Deep in the dark woods, there seems to be monsters, strange human beings, and downright unexplainable happenings. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today, I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, whether it's from the woods or somewhere else, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp, and stories like yours that help keep this show going. Now, without further ado, let us get right into these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. This story goes way back to 1998 when I was 16 years old. I was with my two other friends who I will call Ben and Jake for privacy reasons. So, it was a late summer evening on a Saturday and I was sitting in my room listening to some 80s rock as teenagers back then would do. I got bored after some time and went outside to meet Ben and Jake. We were chilling in Ben's garage for a while, drinking beer and smoking some pot. We got bored quickly and went out to do some teenage stuff. I remember we were walking down this narrow path by the woods and down towards a lake. Back in the late 90s, there was a popular hangout spot for teenagers there, so we hoped to see some other people there. When we arrived, there was no one there except for the sound of crickets and tall grass. We sat there for a while on the bench and just talked for about 15 minutes when Jake wanted to go to an old fishing hut by the lake. We all agreed to go inside and explore it. We entered the place. While Jake and Ben were walking around and breaking stuff, I couldn't shake the feeling of being watched. We went upstairs with an old wooden boat with a fishing net. We were checking it out when suddenly we heard the wooden door of the hut creak open. We could hear heavy footsteps entering down below. Heavy breathing followed shortly after. We all stopped dead in our tracks and almost held our breath. There was around a five second break that felt like an eternity when suddenly a man spoke in a drunken voice. I know you're here. Come out, come out wherever you are, you little brats. The heavy footsteps started to walk toward the stairs as the old floor creaked underneath. Jake went inside the wooden boat and the rest of us followed. We put the fishing net over our heads and didn't move. The man arrived upstairs and we could hear him stumbling around. I can listen to you. We were sitting dead still, but I could feel the fear in us. The man was walking around moving stuff. I thought of a plan to escape without being caught, but we were sitting ducks. Suddenly, we could feel the fishing net being ripped off. Here you are. Jake reacted the fastest and pushed him away. So the man fell onto his back and we ran like hell out of there and threw the tall grass into the woods. We could hear the man give chase but gave up, probably due to his drunken state. We all went back to Ben's garage and fell onto the couch in exhaustion. Jake then told us that the man dropped a knife when he fell to the floor. We all were just sitting there in shock for the rest of the night. I can't help but wonder what would have happened if Jake didn't push the man. Not too long ago, my brother and my mom told me about something my dad told them quite a few years ago, which always puzzled them. My dad passed away 10 years ago, so I can't really ask him about it, and it bugs me that I can't get more information. 
My dad loved being in the woods. They were like a second home to him. Whenever we would take a family trip to the woods, I would ask what animal sounds we heard, and they would always be able to tell me precisely what animal was making it, and any other details I asked about. He grew up on a farm, spent time working in the fire towers as a forest ranger, and enjoyed hunting, so he knew nature well. He was very familiar with the woods that we would take our family trips to, as some of the fire towers he worked were in that area still. I think only one building remains now though. My brother said that there was a weekend that my dad decided to take a trip to the woods by himself to do some small game hunting. Not unusual at all for him actually. The strange part was that my dad came home very early. From where we lived at the time, it took two and a half hours, and sometimes even longer depending on the traffic, to get to the woods that he liked. He didn't spend the night, even though he had brought everything he needed to camp for a couple of days. Both my mom and brother remember him coming home early, only my dad never mentioned why to my mom and only let it slip to my brother once. My dad told my brother that he heard something make a sound in the woods, which he had never heard in all of his life. He knew it wasn't from any of the animals in those woods. The sound made him pick up and head home during the night. My brother tried to press him for more details, but he quickly changed the subject and never wanted to discuss it again. He never described what the sound was. He just said it wasn't from any of the animals that inhabited those woods. My dad never really spooked, especially by nature. Whatever he heard, we have no idea, but it sure got to him good. It eats at me that I can't ask him about it. I want more details. My brother still takes trips to those woods and they've never heard anything out of the ordinary while out there. But my dad was such a stoic man that I know if something scared him that bad, it must have been pretty terrifying. Thanks for sharing my story, Swamp Dweller. I know it might not be as terrifying as others, but it's definitely strange and I think it's definitely a good story to share to let people know that there are things in the woods that we can't quite explain all the time. Hello Swamp Dweller. I found your channel after a friend told me that I might want to listen to one of the submitted stories. After listening to the story, I quickly realized why my friend said that. In the report mentioned, a group of campers went deep into the Rocky Mountain National Park and encountered a Bigfoot-like creature and a man hunting them. The author of the story said they used a fake name for the hunter, Vince. Well, I believe I was the hunter that the author mentioned. Some of the facts were a little off, but there were enough that I don't have much doubt. My name isn't Vince, but the author did say he made it up to keep some privacy, and I respect that so I will go by Vince on here. My friend suggested I tell more of my experiences to try to help people, and though I disagreed at first, they convinced me. So let me start from the beginning. The author stated that I told him my daughter was taken in the story mentioned before. That is true, so I guess I'll start my account there. My daughter, wife, and I went to the park for a vacation in the early summer. I was working at a paper mill and had a week off, so the plan was to get a room, hike some trails, and enjoy the nature and the deep woods and each other for quite a few days. The day my daughter was taken, we decided to take a lesser known path instead of a much more popular one. I will forever regret that choice, and I will never forgive myself for it. It was my idea to switch trails that day since I didn't want to be around many people. After a while, we stopped so my wife could get lunch ready and my daughter wanted to play hide and seek. I didn't see the harm in it and agreed to play and for her to hide first but not to leave the trail but more than a few feet. She was only four. 
so I figured staying with the course would be safe. I peeked through my fingers as I counted not to lose track of her. She ran up the trail maybe 20 yards and ducked into a bush next to a tree. I finished counting and made my way up to the path to the bush, faking that I didn't know where she was. Once next to the bush, I kept up the act and could hear her trying to hide a giggle from inside the bush. I walked about 10 feet further up the trail and suddenly turned trying to surprise her. What I saw will forever be etched into my mind. A large, heavily built humanoid creature stood with my daughter in its arms, holding its hand over her mouth. It was probably six and a half feet tall with at least three feet of width at the shoulders. Even through the thick red fur, I could see its muscles quivering. I don't think it expected me to turn around because the look on its face was almost surprised. My daughter had tears running down her face and was trying her hardest to get free, but this thing was just too much for her little body. Its face looked like a weird mix of an ape and a human, and then it curled its lips at me as if to intimidate me. It had ridiculously long canines. It probably took less than five seconds for me to snap out of it and yell at it and start running towards it. It turned and took off up the tree with my daughter faster than I could even make the 10 feet. It made its way about 20 feet up in the tree, then looked down at me, curled its lips again, and proceeded to leap from tree to tree, still hanging on to my daughter. I tried to keep up, but this thing was just too fast. Once I realized I couldn't keep up, I yelled for my wife and told her to help while trying to find our daughter. You know how that turned out. The park rangers went through everything during the search, but no matter how many times I told them what I saw, they would say something about me being hysterical and not remembering right. I stayed after the search ended and kept trying to find signs of my daughter or this thing that took her. I waited until I lost my job for not coming back and my wife began to resent me. She thought I was crazy and blamed me for failing our daughter. It ended with her leaving me and moving across the area to where my daughter was taken. I began to feel a rage that I did not know I could feel. It built into me for so long. I felt like whatever this thing was robbed me of my daughter and her life. I fantasized about finding it and making it suffer until it died. As my fantasies grew, I began spending more and more time in the mountains, deep in the woods. I landed a job as a trail guide to support myself and keep looking for signs. I started planning how to bring this thing down once I found it. I decided that distance would be critical since it moved so fast that it could be on me before I got a shot off otherwise. I also would need something that could fire quickly and hard. I settled on the gun that the original author saw me with. A Springfield M1A SOCOM Scout Rifle, chambered in 308 Winchester. It was lightweight, a semi-auto, hard-hitting, and able to reach out over 500 yards. It was a perfect fit. I took tracking courses along with bushcraft and over time I learned the area of the mountains and woods better than most of its oldest locals. All of this took a few years and I never found anything the whole time. Until I did. I had made my way far into the mountains and it was early summer, around the anniversary of my daughter's disappearance. I had been in the mountains for close to a week living off rations I took and some foraging. I noticed that the wildlife was sparse but just thought it was because I was there. I had just purchased my first thermal scope and was sitting on a ridge looking down into the valley and was scanning. I was trying to see anything. I didn't really know what I was looking for at the time. I was just trying to see what I could pick up with it, I guess. I wasn't expecting to see much but I was catching flashes of orange through the blue of the trees in the scope. Whatever it was was moving at a decent pace, nothing a normal animal couldn't do, 
until I caught a clearer image of what it was, and I could tell that it was humanoid. My heart skipped a beat and I could feel my stomach in my throat. I remember thinking, no way, I finally found you. I watched it pass behind some trees and then climb up one into a clearing. I calculated that it was probably about 500 to 600 yards out and I had a pretty clear line of sight. I wouldn't let this thing get away, so I switched the safety off my gun, extended my bipod, and laid prone to give myself every advantage. I had the wind to my face, so I knew it wouldn't smell me, and if I stayed still, I had it. I controlled my breathing and placed the crosshairs on this thing's head. I knew this was a gamble, but I needed to know if I killed it, I would have to do it in one shot. I pulled the trigger slowly and was almost surprised when the loud bang of the 308 rang out. I saw the orange spray from the creature's head and it started to fall from the tree but reached out and clung to a branch. I put the crosshairs back on it at the center mass and put another round into it. It fell out of the tree and slammed into one of the units on the ground. I watched it lay there for a few seconds before the rage I had built up and bubbled up. I sent every round I had into this thing. Once I finished, I just watched its body lay there. I sat and felt a sense of relief come over me. I had avenged my daughter. I would bring this thing back to town and prove I wasn't crazy. I was thinking of trying to reach out to my wife after all these years when I heard a scream from the direction of the body. It was the most blood-curdling thing I'd ever heard and my first thought that this thing was still alive. I jumped back on my scope and what I saw sent chills through me. Two more of these creatures were standing over the body and were pushing as if trying to wake it up. I was frozen with fear. At that point, I had never considered there might be more than one. I watched one hurtle up the tree and began looking around like it was trying to find whatever had killed its partner. It looked directly in my direction and began shaking back and forth, almost breaking the tree and screaming. I slammed another magazine into the gun and took another shot at it. I saw the orange of its blood in the thermal scope spray out from behind it, and it jumped down to the ground from what had to be almost 50 feet up in the tree. The one in the ground was helping it up when I took a shot at it, and from what I could tell, I missed. It quickly dragged the wounded one with one arm and the dead one with the other into the forest where I couldn't see them anymore. I'm not going to lie here, I panicked when I lost sight of them. I was beyond scared and started building my fire to the point that it was a hazard to the forest. But at the time, I didn't care. The rest of the night was uneventful, and as the hike back to town was very uneventful as well. That was the first time I found them and it wouldn't be the last. I'm not going to go into every encounter since they get less dramatic and more like hunting stories as I learned their behavior. I knew that they preferred the deeper, more undisturbed parts of the mountains, and that the one that took my daughter was the closest one to town that I have seen, which leads me to believe it was an outcast for some reason and driven out of their normal area. They are hyper-aggressive while hunting and very efficient as well as intelligent. I don't think they are normal Bigfoot that get reported from my research. They stand a little shorter, and the large, almost baboon-type canines aren't reported in most Bigfoot sightings. Not to mention the aggression is much more with these. I assume they are similar subspecies, but I'm not a biologist, and it doesn't make much of a difference. It doesn't matter to me that they are probably an endangered species or anything like that. They took my daughter, so I'm going to keep taking them until there are no more. I know that's not healthy, but it's where I stand. If you decide to read this for your viewers, they may have questions relating to Sam White Owl and characters that claim to be cryptid hunters, and if they wonder if I have any relation, that would be a no.
I don't even know if those stories are true or not, but I've never even been approached or talked to anyone except for a friend who has encouraged me to write this. Now, if there is a secret society of monster hunters out there, I could definitely use the help. When I ran into the author and his group, I was only a few years into hunting them successfully and have had quite a few more run-ins since then, but they are getting more common. They are getting smarter and better at avoiding me. Whatever those things are, they are hunting me back, but luckily, I have found an ally in my friend who is going with me now. They had a violent encounter while elk hunting a few years back and have the same drive I do now to hunt these things down. I know this is a lot and it's not the typical story you read, but it does feel good to get some of it out there. The last author said to check the trees if you go into the forest, and they were right about that. But that's not always enough. Stay out of new parts of the mountain you're unfamiliar with unless you're in a group and armed. These things are fast, intelligent, and lethal. They hunt in packs and are rarely alone. If you see one, another one is already near you. Imagine the raptors from Jurassic Park but able to climb trees. Thanks for giving me a place to speak about this and please, if anyone hears this, listen to me when I say, stay on the mountain trails and take this seriously. It could mean your life. I live in New Hampshire in the South Suburban area. When I was younger, and currently, I lived in a couple of places because of divorce. I'll start with my mom's house. There were these woods that were behind my mom's house that we owned. We owned a pine-dominated acre, but the whole woods were about 20 acres. You could always see civilization from it, either the suburban house rose or a street on the other side that had no houses. These woods always felt warm to me, and I loved being in them. It was basically a third parent to me, a second home, if you will. However, on the other side of the street was another forest, full of 10 to 20-year-old oaks and birches. One day, it was maybe nine or 10. I was playing in the nice woods, and I had explored the whole 20 acres of them. I decided to check out the other woods on the other side of the street. The road was flanked on both sides by forest, and there was a nursing home down the street. I crossed the street and the moment I entered the forest, my mind was telling me to get out of there. I had a sensation of being watched. However, I have always been curious so I pushed deeper until it came to a circular, thinner part of the forest. Not a clearing, where there was a pile of trash ahead of me. Not drug paraphernalia, but old food and trashed clothing. Now my inner voice was screaming, get out, get out, get the hell out of there. So I ran back through the woods as fast as I could until I reached the road and got back to the nice woods, and then I felt fine again. About four or five years later, I was kind of bored with the woods behind my house and wanted to check out the other forest again. I go back now with a knife and a holster to explore. I had my hand on my knife the entire time. I had this being watched and get out feeling again. I never found the thinned part, but I found shoes, dozens of old rotting shoes, there was also a camping stove with old propane cans, food trash, and camping pots. I picked it up and took some home since I needed cooking pots for camping. I still have them. The part that scared me though was the shoes. All kinds of them. Nice shoes, little shoes, women's shoes, running shoes, baby shoes, all varying ages and size and in different states of decay. I was freaked the hell out but I kept pushing. I got to this 35 degree embankment, which I climbed and found a residential area above it. 
there was a thick fence with no gate, and the other houses had no gate either. The trash and shoes were too deep in the forest to be thrown in by some uncaring homeowners. I finally decided to leave. I was super scared by the time I got out of the forest, and I was and still am a very emotionally stoic person. However, the worst experience I have had yet was at my dad's house. Well, this was more of his neighborhood. It's a very tightly packed neighborhood that was surrounded by forest. Small forest of huge pines separated each house. It was not necessarily in a city, but it wasn't necessarily outside of one either, I guess, if that makes any sense. But every now and then, I would see a moose, a deer, or anything like that. It's pretty rare to see them, but they do happen by sometimes. So one day, I was walking my dog during dusk. It was almost total dark out and the streetlights were on. I got close to a turn in my walking path with this pine and oak forest, and I thought I spotted something in the forest in frozen terror. My gut wrenched in the most horrible, despicable feeling ever. It was like I just got the worst news of my life. It looked like a deer standing up. I don't think this was any sort of wendigo or skimwalker, but it was just staring right at me on its hind legs. I originally saw its belly, but when I looked up to its face, it's almost like I couldn't make out any details about it. It was almost blurry, if that makes sense. I have good eyesight, and I should have been able to see it just fine, but it was like my central vision had suddenly been switched to a peripheral. It just blended in with the forest. I could see the body, but not the head. Then it fell to the ground, got on all fours, and ran away in the most awkward... I don't even know how to explain it. It was like it didn't know how to walk. The forest was only about 50 feet away from me at that point. This thing probably could have ran and got to me in less than five seconds. I don't know what it was. I must have ran faster than I ever have in my life. What scared me the most is this thing probably had to clear a six-foot chain-link fence to get out of that place and run away. And how would it be able to do that? I mean, I'm pretty sure it just can't just hop a fence, right? So this story takes place in southeast Texas within 100 miles of Houston. I was in college but had moved back to my parents for a semester after some roommate drama. My parents live out in the country, miles outside of town, with some acreage. The land in the back consists of four zones. You have the backyard with the friendly St. Augustine. The back, which is a section of woods my parents cleared of underbrush and keep reasonably maintained, and the rear back is a clearing we used to do bonfires in and have parties and stuff in high school. And then, there's woods for miles. After high school, my parents gave up on keeping back the brush and weeds from anything except their excellent backyard section. So, imagine a backyard fenced in by a wall of tall weeds and large trees that go back for miles, and then a field of giant weeds transitioning into solid, dense woods with oak, some pine, yupin, and briar. I also had this dog my parents let me keep outside. They had a big chain-link dog run she lived in since my parents did not like dogs inside. This dog was not the type to stay in one spot anyway. She was aggressive to other dogs, always going after them, acting tough, and I sometimes worried she'd go out and kill the neighbor's chickens. She was about 60 pounds and not a jumpy or scared dog at all. Since I was in college, I had no curfew or anything and would always come home late at night or early in the morning after hanging out with friends or studying and whatnot. 
On this night, it was rather cold for Texas, being 50 degrees, and even though she had a house and a bed and straw out there, I felt bad for my dog, so I decided to bring her in to sleep in the garage. I should have been more careful because this happened quite a bit, but somehow this dog always got me. She would wait in the back until the gate was unlocked and I was in the run. Gate closed, unlocked, horseshoe latch, run around me, pop the gate latch with her nose and bolt off. So of course, she did this, and my dumbass was left standing in the run in the cold in the middle of the night. I was pissed because I knew I had to find her and bring her back. The moon was pretty bright and I had seen her fly into the weed wall and disappear, so I followed her without a light, calling her name. There were some little trails through the weeds and we tried to keep open access to the property, but these were less wide than a person could walk. The weeds were about a head taller than me, so it was dense. Anyway, I'd gone a ways in and had passed through the wooded section into the clearing. Probably five to eight feet tall were these weeds that I was walking through. I got quiet, listening, trying to hear sounds of where she might be, and then I heard intermittent rustling throughout the woods, which are just simple tall dark outlines of trees at this point couldn't really see anything since the weed jungle. The rustling wasn't the sound I expected since she's usually crashing through the woods. I'm thinking, what the hell is she doing now? Honestly, I thought she was probably rolling around in some dead skunk, and I would have to bathe her. Figuring it was my wild-ass dog, I make my way over toward the noise, calling out her name again. As I got closer to the rustling, it was not the sound of an animal charging through the underbrush, but more like something intentionally shaking the trees like if you grab a tree branch and just shake it. All the connected trees and vines would shake. I was close enough now to make out individual branches silhouetted by the top of the tree line, and I could see whatever was causing the trees to shake up to the top. This was off, and decided that this was definitely not my dog prancing around. I shut up and froze. I hear in all these stories people talk about how they notice when the woods go silent. Honestly, I can't even remember if this happened but I heard two or three loud deep huffs as I stood there. It sounded like a bull, but with a deeper fluttering. Not like the tonal sounds a cow makes, but the deep, heavy exhale when they're defensive. It seemed to come from around my head height. My mind took this and registered it as that this thing was a lot closer to me than the tree line. I also remember the distinct feeling that this noise was directed at me. I got this terrible feeling in my gut like whole body fear and panic. Rational or not, I yelled my dog's name with all fear and urgency, you know when your voice gets higher and louder at the end, and turned and ran as fast as I could. Either my dog heard my tone and got scared or she was afraid of whatever was going on in that tree line too, because I crashed through the weeds and she came up on my left from a creek and flew past me like a bullet. When I got to the open garage, she was trying to get in the back door to the house, jumping like a crazy animal. I closed the garage, put her in the kennel, and went to bed. I don't know what it was, and at the time I convinced myself it was one of those hogzillas you hear about on the news. I've been around plenty of cattle, and have never heard one make that noise. Not saying it couldn't have been one, but something didn't feel right. This was 10 years ago now, but I know that I'm still going to think hard about it every time I go back to that property. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. 
As usual, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it, and that's very helpful for the swamp growing. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please be sure to give us a five-star rating over there as it helps me grow there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as I upload them nearly every single day in all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. It helps me pick out better stories in the future. I'd love to know what topics that you guys would also like to see me do. I'm looking for new topics to cover all the time. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you want to support the Swamp outside of that, maybe check out the merch store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. Come join me over on Twitch. I stream multiple times a week over there. We watch horror movies, play horror games, and do all kinds of cool stuff. You can find a link to do so in the description. Come join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.